there's a lot we're going to be in Romans chapter 6 and so the message today is the gift the gift very again very simple message today hopefully very clear if you have any questions always feel free to hit me up but we're going to look at one of the famous verses from the Romans road I just felt like this is what the Lord want me to bring today and so we're going to look at this reminder of the gift so Romans chapter 6 in verse 23 Paul is writing to the church at Rome and here's the simple verse we want to focus on today we'll look at a paragraph a little bit later the Bible says for the wages of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord I was listening to a song this week Carrie Job and basically that the, the message that always comes through to me from that song is that God is for you and I think there's a lot of people in the world that think God is against them and what I'm trying to get across to you today is the message of the gift and that is that God is for you and you're gonna have to figure out what you're gonna do with the gift that he has given Tim Keller, he just passed away, I think, this past year. Incredible gospel preacher um, from Northeast. Incredible quote. He says, here's the gospel. You are more sinful than you ever dared believe, and you are more loved than you ever dared hope. That's good, isn't it? If you want to express the gospel to someone, they're like, what is the gospel? Tell them straightforward. Tell them the truth. You are more sinful than you dare believe. But you are more loved than you dare hope. And I think that's what people need to know. They need to understand those two truths. And that is the gospel. There's no good news without the bad news, right? But thankfully, there is good news. And the good news today is there is a gift. Let's look at this paragraph together. Romans chapter 6. You can go down to verse 19. And we're going to make our way all the way again through verse 23. Romans chapter 6, verse 19, Paul says, he says, I am using an example from everyday life because of your human limitations. Just as you used to offer yourselves as slaves to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness leading to holiness. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. What benefit did you reap at that time from the things you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness and the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death but the gift of god is eternal life in jesus christ or christ jesus our lord okay let's do real simple today this will probably be really quick you guys will love it <laughs> the wages of sin is what death. death what are wages what you earn right what did you earn this week somebody just stopped their earning this week he's earning no longer and he's pretty happy about it. I think he's going to get a little side hustle, so he'll be earning a little bit probably down the road, but whatever, right? Okay. What have you earned? 
How about, did you earn a whooping this week? Sometimes your parents would give you that, right? That's what they say, you deserve this, right? What have you earned? Usually most of us here today, we earn what we think about what we work, right? We work, and I, ever since my buddy and even some other people have been retiring, I've been trying to think, how can I do that? <laughs> that sounds good, just to go do the things you want to do instead of having to do this, because you need this to do the things you need to do, right? Our paycheck is what we earn for our work. And you may be debating about the amount of what you earn, right? Some of you may think, I really deserve more than what I'm getting for what I work. But your wages are what you earn. We earn a lot of things in this world, but what do we earn for our sin? Death, okay? And very simply, we'll come back to this idea in a little bit in a couple different ways. But I want you to see again that the idea here is not just that you will die, but that you will die eternally, because if you will live, you will live eternally. And we'll talk a little more about that in just a second. Um, verse 21, again, Paul says, what benefit did you reap at the time from the things you are now ashamed of? Those things result in what? Those things result in death. You got Adam and Eve, you're in the garden, they take hold of the fruit, what all of a sudden comes along with the sin? What are, what's the curse that is laid out? All of a sudden, we are having to get a John Deere tractor to work the earth <laughs> to make things to grow, right? All of a sudden, ladies before that wouldn't have had any pain in childbearing, now they have labor. But most of all, from that moment, a, and I was trying to think about this this weekend, a being that was created for eternity all of a sudden has a uh, temporariness to them, don't they? Adam and Eve were created for eternity. And when they took hold of the fruit that they were not supposed to, all of a sudden, then there was a, an end in sight that wasn't there before. And we call that end, of course, death. Just briefly, let's look at again this idea of sinning, because I think you guys know this, how the, the progressions of sin work. If you have your Bibles, you want to, you can turn over to James chapter 1. James chapter 1, and there James reminds us, he reminds us how that sin works. And if you guys are battling with sin, this would be a good thing. I, want, I just want to again encourage you guys to be in the Word of God with other people. Hopefully you're doing that in Sunday school. I know Michael was super hyped this morning and enjoyed that. On Wednesday nights, we've been doing Philippians. I mean, God has been, just like Michael talked, God has been crushing me, Right? This last week was whatever is noble, whatever is pure, whatever is uh, leads to righteousness, think on these things. And I've already changed one of my radio stations this week because of that. I'm like, I'm done with this talk radio, this thing, I'm not doing that anymore because it is not noble or lovely or excellent or worthy. So again, God was challenging me. We need to identify those things in our life that are uh, contrary to the word of God, and that may be dragging us towards sin. James gives us a layout here in verse 13. He says, when tempted, no one should say God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But, verse 14, each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire, and they are enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, it gives birth to 
death. Are you getting the picture? I mean, it's pretty clear, isn't it, right? Sin leads to death. But look at the progression. And I want to encourage you this morning, especially younger people here today. I had a hard time when I was a younger person. I think I really got confused, and I always thought that temptation was sin. But temptation in itself is not sin. You're going to be tempted, okay? Jesus was tempted, and he never sinned. So you're going to be tempted, and understand that, that, that in, in one sense, that is okay. It's okay to be tempted. But then temptation conceives, and this is the beginning of sin. How does temptation conceive in your life? Right? How does it work in your mind? Again, I probably shouldn't reveal all this much. You guys just can know your preacher's a sinner. But he is a sinner, and he's working on himself, okay? But even this week at work, we're working on a project I'd been putting a lot of time in on this project. And then this Friday, some other people went in and they were trying to review and do some things with the project and they didn't bring me into the meeting. And then after the meeting, I found out that they had made changes to things that I had already set up and they were complaining because things weren't working. Now, what hits you there? Well, the first thing is temptation is, why are you changing the stuff I did? I did it right. I got to defend myself. Again, I'm a pen, so I have to prove I'm right. Amen, Brother Isaiah? So I'm going into my mindset, and I'm like, what are you doing this for? And that's where temptation, in that particular example, it starts to conceive. Because all of a sudden, instead of just trying to help my corporation do and be what they need to do, it becomes a Travis Penn better make sure people know that he's okay and that what he does is right and he's not an idiot and he can handle this. And that starts to well up in my heart. And then guess what happens when it starts to, to give birth? You know, I talked a little bit about this Wednesday night. Guess what I'm doing in the shower on Saturday morning? Man, if I have that conversation with that lady and that guy, I'm going to, they should have never, and this and this, and you should have known these three things, and here's all the things you did wrong. Do you ever argue with other people like that? And we talked about this on Wednesday night, didn't we, right? Right? What does the scripture say? Don't worry, but with prayer and supplication through thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And what happens? The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. And again, Michael, I got hammered again. And God said, would you give the problem to me and quit trying to dwell on a situation to defend yourself? Stop it. Now, it's a little bit humorous, but do you guys see how that works? Because it ends up not being humorous when I all of a sudden offend my coworkers because I'm trying to justify myself, and especially a couple of them that I want to see draw closer to the Lord. The last thing I need to do is put my pride up there, and it hurts their growth in Jesus. That's not so funny, is it, right? Temptation, conception, the birth, and then it grows. And we could go, everybody's got a good story about telling a lie and how the lie grows, right? And you try to protect the lie, and you tell another lie, and you tell another lie, and it grows and grows and grows. Well, what happened to us as humankind is when sin began to grow, it took over, and it, it destroys us. Sin will destroy you. The world doesn't believe that. You are far more sinful than you dare believe. Me too. And when you decide to choose yourself or choose sin over choosing the Lord, you're just taking yourself that much closer to destruction and to death. The wages of sin 
is death. If sin is not confronted and forsaken, it always, 100% of the time, it always leads toward death. The problem is, I think so much of the time, we don't realize the danger that we're in. Let me give you an illustration. This is from Dan Meyer that might help convey this idea of recognizing our own sinfulness. He says, years ago, I traveled to Ecuador, and I spent a couple of weeks traveling in the mountains. Excuse me if I'm pronouncing this wrong. The Quechua Indian people I met there live amidst the most mind-numbing squalor. The disease and disfigured bodies were heartbreaking. The bugs and the stench were everywhere. People were living in a hole in the ground and calling it a house. They were feeding on rotten food and uh, garbage as uh, processions, but they didn't know it. And here's why. That's because everyone lived that way. They had never been given a picture of what it means to be a genuinely healthy human being. They did not know what an abundant life truly looked like. And that is our problem too. It's the reason we think of ourselves as largely innocent people, people who have little to do with bringing about the cross of Christ. We don't know, uh, excuse me, we don't get how sick and undeveloped we are spiritually. In Psalm 14, David says that the one fully healthy being in the universe views the human race as we might view those Quechua villagers. Only the gap between his life and that of our village is so much larger. The Lord looks down from heaven on the sons of men to see if there are any who understand, any who seek God, but all have turned aside. They have turned together to become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. In other words, we are condemned, and we don't even know it. You know what you know, right? We know what things look like because of the people that we're around. And we need to be challenged by someone who is completely different than us. And his name is Jesus. And he's the one who sets the standard. I'm not here trying to compare myself to Ray or to Paul or to Wendy or to Megan. I'm not here to say, oh, how do I fit in there in the scale there? I'm this much, I have this rating, I have this <laughs> projection. My comparison is with the Son of God. And he says that with your sin, you deserve death. If you continue sinning, you're just pushing yourself to death. If you forsake the gift given by God, you are headed towards an eternal death. Can I just, for just a second, I want you to think about this. If the wealthiest person in the universe made a gift for you, and beyond that, it was a sacrificial gift. I mean, it was a gift like no other. And he laid it out before you and said, here you go, I want this just for you, this gift. Who in here would forsake it? You know what I'm saying? If God showed up on your door this week, I made something just for you, and you're in a world of hurt, but this is gonna fix your every problem. This is the best thing you could ever have. Not only that, it is the deepest thing that I could ever do to you to express my love for you. Will you take the gift? Who are we to say, I don't think I want that? When we choose sin, we choose death. And Lord, help us that we ever 
ever turn away the gift of God. Lord, help us to accept Jesus every way, every day. Eternal death should motivate us to move the mountains to tell people of the choice and the gift of life. Right? The word is hell. You may not hear the word hell a lot in church today. I'm going to tell you that Jesus spoke more on hell than anyone did. Read your Bible. That's not me making up stuff. That's not Paul making up stuff or Ray. That's what Jesus said. Jesus is the one speaking that truth. If he's speaking the truth of eternal death, then we need to pay attention to that because we know how much he loves us. A few things to think about on the flip side. So the wages of sin is death, but then what? The gift of God is life. Yes, (laughs) the gift. Think about the gift. God isn't against you. He's not trying to tear you down. He's not trying to take you out. He doesn't want bad things. Who wants bad things to happen to you? The accuser. He's doing everything he can to tear you down. He wants to work in your mind and in your relationships. He wants to bring problems in your life that seem insurmountable. He wants to point you back to yourself as the self-help all the time because he wants to tear you down. But God has given you a gift because he loves you. He does. Tell that to people. God's not trying to take them out and tear them down. He wants them to know they can find redemption. And sometimes I'm afraid we just sit on the corner because we're so afraid to confront anybody or to have a, a bad conversation. And we need to tell them, there's a gift for you. God made a gift, and that gift is life. Okay, quick review. Death is what? Earned. Death is earned. Death is deserved. Death is a result and a consequence of our sin. But life is a gift. And you'll hear that in different commercials, right? Savor, somewhere on whatever show we were watching last night, life, you need to savor life. (laughs) Well, yeah, you should. But we're talking about different kinds of life here, right? We're talking about the death here that is the ultimate death. And we're talking about life here that is the ultimate life. And it's a gift. You cannot earn it and you don't deserve it. Let that sink in. You cannot earn it. You don't deserve it. You do what? You receive it. I should have got one of our new cross life pins. I don't think I have one up here. (laughs) You guys, I tell the story a thousand times, but this is what sticks in my head because it happened so much in my life. A little boy, six years old, my dad is leading me through the Romans road, telling me how I can accept Jesus into my life. And he gets to this verse and he pulls out a pin of his Schofield Bible and he says, this is a gift. What do you have to do to get it? I don't know, dad. I thought it was a trick question. He said, all you have to do is receive it. You can't earn it. You can't be good enough, right? Receive it. Take it. That is the idea of a gift. Now, this is completely opposite of our culture today. Our culture says we don't deserve death. Are you tracking with me? That's what the culture tells you. That's just how you are. That's just how it is. We're just, you know, that's just how things are. We should just accept everything the way that it is. We should accept all of the negatives in the world and just move on with that. The culture says we don't deserve death. We deserve our rights and we deserve an easy life. Our culture also says that life can be earned. Be good enough, be kind enough, be nice enough, and you can earn life. These are the philosophies 
of the world. You don't deserve death, and you can earn life, but the Bible says we earn death, and life is a gift. Let's be clear. We have a different way of thinking, amen? We need to be simple and clear on those things. When we share the gospel, we need to help people see their need for the Savior. We need to help them see that all of our sinning only earns us death, and without the gift, we will never know life. But the good news is we can have life. We can escape the curse of death through the gift of God, his only begotten Son. I'll read you this quote from N.T. Wright. We are not to be surprised if living as Christians brings us to the place where we find we are at the end of our own resources and that we are called to rely on the God who raises the dead. Anybody here ever been at the end of their resources? Okay. It, when we talk about salvation and someone coming to Christ at a point in time, like I was a six-year-old boy and I surrendered myself, in that moment, I said, I can't do this. I can't earn it. God, I surrender my heart to you. Forgive me of my sin. And he changed me and transformed me. But the gospel is not just for the one point in time, is it? The gospel is for every day of my life. I have to get up every morning and admit again that I can't do it on my own resources. And by the way, Christian, you do too. Some of you are still doing that. You're trying to live out the Christian life on your own resources. And you have forgot that you cannot do it in your own power. You will fail. But here's the great news. God has given you a gift. And by the way, the God who can empower you is the God who raised his own son from the dead, and he sits at the right hand of the Father. That is what Paul says. I want to know the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. I want to know that power is available if we will surrender. Am I tracking with that? Almost there. Hang in there. You're doing really good. God's gift is life through Jesus. Jesus is the gift. Again, God is for you. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 15, very simple verse says, Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. It is indescribable, isn't it? I cannot tell you what it means to be forgiven to have hope in a future in spite of all the mess, that's indescribable. That God would give his only son for a wretch like me, that is indescribable. But I am so thankful for the gift. So two simple things. What will you do with the gift you've been given? Again, come back to it. God's gonna show up at Joe's door. Joe, I got an amazing thing for you. I know you inside and out. This is the most unbelievable thing. I'm gonna forgive you and give you hope in a future. What do you think? And Joe's like, yeah, I'll take that deal, (laughs) right? But today, everybody in here, you've had to make this choice. And maybe you haven't really heard it clearly. Maybe the Lord, he, he picks different times, doesn't he, for us to really hear it, right? And maybe today is the day where you're actually hearing, oh boy, I've never really heard that the choice was for me to receive the gift of Jesus on the cross. And I don't know what I want to do with that. I hear that those church people lives, it's kind of boring and they have all kinds of rules and I'm not so much into that. (laughs) And Jesus is not here about rules and boring. Let's say following Jesus is anything but boring. Amen? What will you do with the gift? You've got to answer that question. And I I dare say, man, I would not want to face the Lord when I die and say that I have rejected the gift of his only son. The Lord who made me, for me to tell him, I don't think I really need that, I would not want to face him, right? Right? 
Then the second thing is very simple. Um, who are we to reject the gift of God? And then as a result of that, who will we give the gift of God to? Today is such a simple reminder of our need for a Savior. We start out in sin, and without repentance and salvation, we will end in wrath. Can I say that again? Just hear me clear, okay? I'm not, I'm not making this stuff up. This is from the Word of God. We start out in sin, without repentance and salvation, we will end in wrath. That's what Jesus says. That's not what Travis says. We deserve death, and that's what we've earned through our sin. But again, the Lord has given us a gift. We need to pray for people who are not trusting Christ to see their own sinfulness and their need for a Savior, just as the Lord did to our heart. We need them to see that salvation is a gift, that you can't earn it, you don't deserve it, but if you receive it and if you accept it and if you take it, you will never be the same. One last story and we'll be done today. This is actually from Rick Warren. There are two ways the Bible says you can get to heaven. A plan A is to earn it. That's the performance plan. And to earn it, you only have to do this, this one thing. Never sin, always do what's right for the entire time that you live, just be perfect. Any takers? <laughs> right. Since none of us qualify for plan A, God came up with plan B, which is this. You trust Jesus Christ when he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He was the only perfect person who ever lived because he was God and he came so we could know what God is like. And by trusting and establishing a relationship with him, you get in on his goodness. That's an interesting way to say imputation. That's the fancy theological word. You get in on his goodness. Rick says this, he goes, my friend Ron Dunn took his young son to a carnival one time for his birthday. His son picked six boys to go with him. So Ron bought a roll of tickets. Every line he'd come up to, he'd pull off seven tickets and he'd give them to all the kids. When they got to the Ferris wheel, all of a sudden there was this eighth little kid with his hand out. Ron said, well, who are you? The kid said, I'm Johnny. Ron said, well, who are you, Johnny? <laughs> Johnny said, I'm your son's new friend and he said you would give me a ticket. Ron asked me, do you think I gave him one? Absolutely. He got in on his goodness. Are you tracking with that? Right? The wages of sin is death. But I surrendered my heart, repented of my sin, and I got a new friend. And his name is Jesus. And he told his father, give him a ticket. You think God's going to give me a ticket when his son says, give him a ticket? Praise the Lord, right? God is for you. I know some of you are just battling. The devil is working overtime in your life to cause you hurt and pain. But in the midst of your hurt and pain, I want you to know we're all praying for, for you guys here. But just, just try the little smallest glimpse to see again that God is for you. And he gave his only son that you might have eternal life. Let's stand this morning. Again, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ.